Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. The biggest lesson that I learned was, one, I learned a lot of really good things from them, right? Because they did big deals. They understood different different levels of business. I was exposed to different levels of entrepreneurs and business owners and things that I'd never had been exposed to. So there was a lot of really good. And there was really good lesson of for me that I've taken from, from that point forward was don't get so too far out in front of your skis. Really what, what I felt like that they did is, you know, that I don't, I'm, I'm sure that you're familiar because of, you know, you're up in, in, in the Aspen area, but you're probably familiar with Yellowstone club up in Bozeman and Tim Blixeth and how he was putting that together. That's really the type of club we were putting together. And the owner wanted to be, you know, we had this, we always, we always said, man, we've got this great thing. Everybody wants it. We're building it, but he wanted it to happen overnight instead of over a certain period of time. And so the, the big, and, and that's what really got him in trouble is saying, okay, I'm going to pull money from here and here and here so that I can make this, this go faster. But then all these other things over here start to suffer. Right. And, and I've always felt like, you know, you, especially in the real estate game, and this is what I've, I have never, I actually haven't raised any money since this lesson. And I've been really, I've always said, if I can't fund it and I'm not going to be, it's not my money in the deal, then I'm not going to do it. And so that has probably held me back quite a bit, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of leverage in real estate using, you know, bringing on investors in it. This today, because of our success, I have a lot of people that will invest with us. We have a lot of people that will say, Hey, listen, we really like what we're doing. And there's another level of responsibility when you've got other people's money involved. And that was a good, that was the biggest lesson I learned back when I was 30, right? It, when, when we went through that, because as long as things are going good, everybody's happy. But when things start to hiccup a little bit and look, we're going into a shifting market right now. I think you're going to see some people that got into raising money and using other people's money on investments that are going to, maybe the deal's not going to go as well as they had planned. And there's going to be people that are facing those same type of implosions, maybe not with, you know, the Fed shutting it down and everything else. But the lesson is when you, when you get out in front of your skis too far and you're using other people's money, there's just, there's just this whole other level of responsibility that comes with that. And I, I think that, I don't think that people think of that when they're doing that. We think of all well, the good times. Well, and you could say that, well, that my, and you said this about their intent was to do this intent was to do, you know, the right thing. However, uh, it's really no different. You know, you're, they, they were robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, yeah. and for whatever their intent was, you see all the time people get embezzled, you know, they get caught embezzling for a big company and they say, well, you know, my, mother was sick and we had to do radiation treatments. And, you know, what am I going to do? I had to come up with, you know, $120,000. I was going to put it back. doesn't matter what your intent was. Right. You know, the thing is, if you do something illegal or immoral or it, get, you know, it's that's why they have so many checks. And che the, I, you know, I've lived, you've lived your life in, in uh, real estate. I've lived mine in financial services and it's, you know, they put the string yeah. of all regulations on you. And uh, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah, there is a reason. And for good anything reason. Anything you let people get away with, they'll get away with. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can justify anything, right? That's the other thing. Like, right. 
most most people that are out there doing there's there's rights and wrongs right and then there's there's some gray area in a lot of things and and what i feel like is a big gray area and when you start to deal with other people's money is you know your intent and you know uh, you better be a damn good expert at what you're doing and you better be very, very upfront about, Hey, this is not, there's no guarantee in anything. And, and especially when it right. comes to any sort of investment. Right. And when you're, you're guaranteeing based off that performance, this is going to go, this is going to go, this is going to go. Better be very conservative in those things. Super those conservative. Things. And you, and yeah. when it's your, when it's your own money, you can take risks, take as many risks as you want. Right. Like you can be a lot riskier with your own money than somebody else's money. Yeah. And that's what I have that I get, that I struggle with a little bit for ever since that's happened. When I hear of all these people raising money um, and doing deals with other people's money that don't have a lot of track record of doing their own deals with their own money. And they call it skin in the game. It's like yeah. all of the things how much skin, you know, the person who's telling you this thing, how much skin do they have in this game? Yeah. And other successes they've had in the past, how much skin do they have in that game? Yeah. And so that's, you know, when you're paying for it and, uh, you know, there's a thing about the wolf of Wall Street and uh, the real wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. When he was, uh, they, they, he was at a party where there were, there was another con going on and I forget which, which, which name this was, it was, I won't even say the the nationality and everything, but they were in throwing money around like crazy in, in uh, New York city, yeah. you know, they're spending money here and they had hot tubs here and they had the girls coming in here and they, you know, and uh, there was a reporter along with him and uh, asked him what he thought about these guys. He said, they're crooks. <laughs> he, just, he just walked into the party and saw, you know, he said, Oh, they're crooks. He said, you don't spend money like that if it's your own money. If it's your own money, yeah. If it's your own money, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a sign to look out for. But when you went out, uh, I mean, you also said uh, they did something good for you. You got to move in different circles. What did you pick up, would you say, other than your own confidence about, I'm the guy, you know, in the private jet, picking people up, showing them around to the $25 million homes, other than the prestige of that position, uh, what did you learn or what did you absorb by being around a whole nother level of person, the way they talk in terms of successful person, up close and personal, you know, yeah. you're spending time on the plane, you're talking about just how their their mannerisms, just their attitudes about things, how they treated other people or how they yeah. talk. What did you, uh, you re remember any, particular lessons you picked up from that? Absolutely. The biggest was, you know, I always, I've always was, I grew up very blue collar and we worked hard and I didn't have come from a lot of money and kind of the mindset of, you know, rich people are greedy and they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're flaunting their stuff. And because I feel like that there's these levels, you get to the level where you have a little bit of money and you show off as if you and spend as if you have more than you actually do. Yeah. When you talk, what I felt like I learned when I'm, when I was meeting these people that really had money, right. They have their own jets. They have their own stuff is they were very, very down to earth. They were very humble and nice. We would go out to eat with somebody at a restaurant and they were super kind to the servers. Right. And, yeah. and it was, that was more across the board. And that is something that opened my eyes that, Hey, these are, these are people that I could really like to be around. And, and I don't have to be this, you know, this cocky, like at the time there was times, and I'm not, you know, 
now I'm not super proud of this. I'm totally different than this now. I feel like, cause you learn as you get older and you get some gray hairs and have some, uh, have some miles on. But I remember trying to, when I was doing my fix and flip stuff, trying to show off as if I even had more than I did, right. Buying the fancy cars, wearing the, the cool clothes and just to, and it was for show. Right. And I assumed that's what rich people did. That's what people that are really wealthy did. When I actually was around wealthy people, completely the opposite. They were super kind. They were very, very smart, right? They were very calculated with things. They were super conservative. And for the most part, the, the ones that I met, you know, they weren't what you would think if I'm going to go to Hollywood and what I would think the rich people were doing, that's what they do. That's not, that wasn't the people that I interacted with. And, and yeah. when you change your mindset of what it, what it is at what wealth really is and what it looks like and what that lifestyle looks like, all of a sudden it becomes a lot more attractive as well to say, Hey, I can, I can do that, but it's also something I want instead of something I'm that I'm, you know, not despise, I guess is the right word, but something that like, it's greedy, it's bad. It's not good to have that money. They do a lot of really good things. You know, the, the impact that they, that those people had. And when I would have those conversations with them of the, you know, the charities and the donations and the things that they were able to do, I was like, man, that's a whole different side of wealth that I wasn't ever really exposed to. And, you know, the, the thing I've noticed about high achievers, it's just so hard to get them to talk about how successful they are. Exactly. They don't so want to. That if somebody's bragging, you know, you yep. know, talking, they ain't got nothing, you yep. know. And exactly. It, what's the lure of a development deal for you? Why, why did you do development deals? You were doing so good with the houses. Uh, what was the allure of that? They were just larger, bigger chunks of money. Right. They were, you know, a development deal could bring in several hundred thousand dollars on a deal versus, you know, having that would take me, you know, X amount of houses, a lot more houses. So right. and and it I kind of I wanted to get back into the investing game. Right. And and it was larger dollar, larger dollar payouts than a fix and flip was. And so we started looking at some development deals. And that's what we started looking at doing. And it, what I what when I told now, when you, you look we, at, let me ask you that. When you're looking at development deals, what does that uh, in, you know, what's the process on that? Because I I read in your thing that you guys are looking at 100 properties a month evaluating, you know, yeah. in, in what you're doing now. But when you're evaluating development deals, how do you, you know, you walk out of your house, uh, how, where do you go? <laughs> turn on the computer? Yeah. And, uh, how, how do you find these development deals to, to investigate it? Uh, is that a networking thing? Or? Yeah, it's, it's, it, for us, it's door knocking and networking, right? And it's, it's dealing with farmers, right? Typically you're dealing with farmers who are getting to the point where they don't want to farm the land anymore. And you're trying to work with your, so in what I was doing is like smaller residential deals, anywhere from 50 to maybe 150 lots. And and so the area that we knew well, we we were, you know, we would go into the the farmers area and and we'd find out the, you know, when where development was going and we try to find those those, you know, the the landowners that were willing to sell some of the smaller tracks. We we, we didn't compete with the big the big builders or the big development deals because the deals that we were working on were smaller than they wanted to go after. Uh -huh. And so what we would do is try to find the raw land. We'd spend the time to get the the zoning changed, the entitlements get all the infrastructure ready to go. And then we would sell it to the mid-sized to small-sized builders. And, and but yeah, you're not going on Zillow or the MLS and trying to find development deals, right? You're, it's a, you're going out and building relationships with, you know, with the landowners in the area. And and typically they're the, the farmers that are aging out of wanting to run a farm. 
Yeah. And if it, like in the business world, you start a business, you build a business up to a certain size and you get like 20 million in revenue or this, that, and the other. And then the, you know, then the bigger boys want to start coming in and buy, you know, they're looking for, they're not looking for lemonade stands to buy, but they are exactly for uh, bigger businesses to snap up. Yeah. And that's what the edge fund guys do anyway. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you do, you were doing that with, developers and either the bigger companies you're getting it ready for them to and, take over and and then they would take it yeah and so so we didn't we ended up at the time we built some houses we built about 40 homes but not not nothing to nothing to write home about by any stretch but it was it was you know we most of our our goal was to give them to the bigger developers but like i said before so we all all own our own individual portfolio so vodacy itself we help individual investors understand and we, my goal is to help them walk into the vacation rental investing game with their eyes wide open we're yeah. going to they pay us to help them with some education some coaching some support along the way to help them figure out the right properties figure out how to set them up management wise but they own their entire portfolio they pay us a consulting fee for the education on the front end and we have no ownership or anything with their properties and so so of ongoing uh Thing. there's no residual type thing for you other than the initial exactly what, year yep. or something like that yeah no they we give them lifetime access they get they get access to our community our mastermind community and then all the education and we i mean we're on version four of the education it's a it's an ever-changing game especially in a game that's that's had this rapid growth it's, you know there's a lot of different tools and things so what they do is they pay us initial uh in, initial um, fee that comes in is their initiation. And then they've got access to everything. I'm a, I'm a believer that, and, and I, I, I hire coaches. Like I'm a, I said, I'm a big believer in coaches. I hire a lot of coaches to help me because I'm done real estate. I've never coached people. Right. So I hire coaches to help me become a better coach and a better mentor. And a lot of them say, you're crazy. You got to, you know, charge them yearly or have this recurring thing. And that's an argument that we have all the time is saying, I, I believe this is a process, not an event. And I want to be part of that journey with people. And, and we have a lot of fun with it. And so they pay us an initial fee and they're part of our family for the long term. And when you say uh, the collective portfolio, you know how many properties all of the people that have worked with you, 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 you stay current on how many properties they're you know, yeah, they, they stay in touch with y'all. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. We have a super, a super engaged mastermind group called the Empire Club, and we have a master property list. So everybody puts their properties on the master property list, and we we support each other. We market each other's properties, kind of cross promote all those different things. And so that's how we we stay engaged and and on top of the everybody's yeah the collective portfolio of Odyssey. And so I would say the average. The average member of Odyssey probably has a portfolio of somewhere between three to six homes. And, and yeah. uh, the fun thing about the vacation rental side of it is you don't have to have these major portfolios to make a big difference in your lifestyle and financial goals, right? Like we have, I don't have hundreds of members making seven figures, but we've got, you know, a couple handfuls of members making over a million dollars a year. And the largest portfolio that makes a million dollars a year or more in, in passive income is eight properties. And so they're really high producing portfolios. And so you don't have to have these major portfolios, but we got, we've got hundreds and hundreds of members making over six figures a year, which is awesome. And so uh, you show people uh, how to invest in these properties. It is an alluring idea of having properties that you own 
uh, and all of, you know, in a, your own package of uh, luxury properties. And if you want to go on a vacation to those locations in Hawaii or whatever, yeah. you, you got a property sitting right there. If you want your any anyone in your family, and then when you're not using it, it's going to be earning income for you. Now, when you talk about the money they're making, can they make this over and above the carry? You know, uh, you know the, the, the yeah. Long oh yeah. When I'm talking about the money people make, I always talk about the net, and uh, and it's uncommon, right? A lot of people talk about the gross, right? Uh, the gross numbers, which is, you know, and, and that's after you, you have to maximize these assets, just like anything else. I always tell people, you know, you're. We always hear. We all, even like I just mentioned, we got people making a million dollars a year, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. We got hundreds of people making six figures a year. It, it doesn't happen the first property you buy, right? And it doesn't happen, especially with any asset and short term rentals specifically. They're going to start off as a slow burn, right? You might, right. I, I look at properties all the time that I'm, that I am pro forma. And when I'm looking at my five year pro forma, my first year or two, I might be making, you know, a three to 4% cash on cash return. It's going to be, it's not making me rich in the first little while. It's after you start to maximize in that three to five year period. Yeah. And you get uh, the appreciation, you know, should you yeah. decide to uh, turn them over and, uh, uh, you know, you have all those things going for you. In fact, one thing that comes to mind is uh, I was talking to uh, uh, Ron Diamond yesterday who runs, uh, He's got a company that runs a hundred. Uh, I can't. It's even hard for me to say this. Even a hundred uh, family offices. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. From two hundred fifty million to like thirty yeah. million. So I've been in. But he said, you know, to make money in the public, you know, in the stock market, you know, it's almost a loser. You could make. He said you can make money in the private world, but to make, you know, if you're going to go out there, you, you're, if you're thinking about your portfolio and you want to do something, but he said, do something. If you want to do something beyond just an index fund, you know, a no load index fund yeah. uh, and uh, just let it roll. Uh, and you don't want to get involved in a hedge fund or something like that. You know, this is an attractive uh, uh, alternative that also can have some side benefits for you add uh, value to your life in terms of vacation options yeah. for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and what and I get, like about get a it, good too, return too. you know, get a good return. Too. You get a good return. And, and there's pros and cons to any investment you do. There's pros and cons to every single asset class. I love, you know, short-term rentals. I love just because the, like the, the things that we talked about, there's that personal use. There's some really, we figured out how to maximize them and operate toward the top of the markets, which at the top of the markets, there's some nice income potential, right? So we've, we've kind of figured that game out that works for us. But what I love about real estate in general is that it helps the average American, right? Average people can buy, especially single family type of properties. Right. And, and, and to your point, it helps them stay ahead of, you know, all the inflation that's going on out there. It helps them stay ahead of a lot of different things in when they don't necessarily, and it kind of take, you know, with, with leverage and everything else, as long as you're smart about it and you're not over leveraging things and you're, you're able to put yourself in a position to normal Americans, it's an asset class that they have access to, right? There's a lot of really good investments, like the public stock market, like you said, everybody has access to it. It's really dang hard to make money, right? It's, it's a, you're barely going to stay ahead of you ahead of the game with that. Most people. a lot of the wealthy people also have access to a lot of private investments and things like that. And 
there's money to be made there for sure. But average Americans, a lot of them don't have access to that. And I, I love like just single family real estate for a lot of average Americans have access to be able to start to chip away and start to build that lifestyle and financial freedom. I feel like in the in single family types of properties and, and single family properties get talked down by a lot of people. You know, it's like, oh, go into multifamily, go into commercial, go into a lot of this other things, all great assets. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.